0: Welcome to Leave Your Mark, where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page at Scott G. Winston. My goal is to create a community of people who take every opportunity to live high-performing lives. Before I get started on today's podcast, I want to take a moment to connect you with my sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. Reconditioning is a method and language of integrated practice. It brings the worlds of therapy and conditioning together and helps them become more powerful and more practical. If you live in one or both of these worlds or you use the services of a therapist or conditioning coach, you know that sometimes they don't see eye to eye. They aren't on the same page. Reconditioning provides a time-tested process for aligning these two worlds and creating impactful solutions to performance problems. Follow them at Reconditioning HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or become a member of their Facebook group, Reconditioning HQ Revolution, and join the Reconditioning Revolution. Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm Scott Livingston, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jean-Benoît Morin. JB, as he's known, is a professor in the Faculty of Sports Science at the University of Côte d'Azur in Nice, France. He is also a member of the Laboratory of Human Motor Function Expertise, Sport, and Health. He serves as an associate researcher with the Sports Research Institute New Zealand at Auckland University of Technology. JB obtained a track and field coach national diploma in 1998 and a PhD in human locomotion and performance in 2004. His field of research is mainly human locomotion and performance with a specific interest in running biomechanics and maximal power movements. He's been published many scientific articles. He teaches locomotion and sports biomechanics. He's also a consultant for professional sports groups in soccer, basketball, rugby, sprinting, and other power speed sports. He played soccer for 10 years, practiced and coached track and field middle distance and 400 meter hurdles for eight years and he is now enjoying trail running road cycling and triathlon i'm happy to have him on the show today welcome jb thank you scott thank you very much for having me on it's a great pleasure to have you here um you and i uh, met through um you know other people sort of recommending you for an event that uh, i held uh, about. Two years ago, now I think in sprinting, and I was really impressed with um, you know the way you went about your your vocation and your professionalism around what you do, and I thought it'd be really cool to, to chat about how you came to be in some sense because and it was interesting reading some of your notes to to me about your life uh, and sort of how you go about life. So if we go back to when you were a kid, you know. Growing up, what, what was influential in your life that, ha, that you look back as maybe shaped you as a person now? Well, so
1: if you think kid as everything before, let's say, high school mm-hmm. or everything before driving a car, because that, that's, you're a kid, <laughs> but you don't have a car, right? So that's, that's 18, 18 years old in France. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very lucky because my parents were really book people. And, uh, and radio people and not much TV people. So that's that's the best thing I had uh, to start with. Mm. And I was also very lucky because I grew up in the, in the country. But really, I mean, my, my favorite game with my brothers and cousins and, and friends was, um, you know, building shacks in the woods, just leaving the house with a bike and a knife and, and mm. spending all the day there uh, playing in the dump yeah, I played in the dump, you know, so that's what people don't do now. But when you go there, you do chemistry, you do physics, you know, you, you experiment a lot. And uh, mm. I think as a kid, I, I was lucky enough to experiment a lot. Mm. Even, you know, good experiment, bad experiments, a uh, few times at the hospital, but <laughs> I, I do that with my kids now. I, I prefer my kid breaking a collarbone at the park because he tried something crazy mm. You know than my kids spending spending hours and hours on YouTube. So um, I was an outside guy wow. when I was a kid, and um, man, maybe that led me to exercise uh, a lot because you know you you start doing some bike races and some things like that, and uh, so that, I was I was pretty lucky to be to grow up in the country, I would say.
0: Were your were parents involved in athletics or sports at all themselves mm-hmm. or?
1: Yeah, but my father was, my, my mother was not, absolutely not. My father was, um, was a, a, a pretty high level football player and he had a big knee injury. Mm-hmm. And so he turned into an endurance runner,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and, uh, and, and, a football coach. So he was my first coach when I grew up, I started playing football. Um, but yes, that, there was always some, you know, it's, uh, what can we do this afternoon? The first, first answer was, uh, riding a bike or, or, or playing football. It's Mm. as simple as that. So yeah, that's, that's a big influence.
0: As a, as a young boy growing up in France, like I, I don't claim to know the exact cultural realities of, of what you experienced, but I know you know, in North America, there's, a you know, obviously the big pull of all the big four sports. Um, in Europe, there's a bigger pull from, you know, soccer, what you guys refer to as football. Um, but I know also just having worked with a lot of NHL hockey players from Europe that there's a bigger pull around things like track and field and gymnastics and, and some of the combative sports like judo and things like this that influence you than maybe there are in North America now. Was that an influence on you when you were growing up and, and, And has that changed a lot in your viewpoint over time? Our sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com, is going virtual. The Reconditioning Level 1 has been turned into a complete online experience. And all the time tested systems and processes are now available to you in 20 hours of online video modules and two virtual Zoom sessions. Reconditioning is a very powerful language and system of practice that brings the worlds of therapy and performance together in one complete package and helps you deliver the most powerful injury, and performance solutions to your clients. Check them out at reconditioninghq.com today and join the reconditioning revolution.
1: Yeah, and and, and, and outdoor sports, um, uh, ski from the place uh, I grew up, it was a very cold place. So ski, uh, bicycle, and basically running.
0: Mm, okay. So... You spoke earlier about your parents and their influence, uh, from, uh, you would say books and radio. And was that sort of what you think drew you to academics? Like what, what drew your academic, um, energy or, or inspired your academic energy?
1: Uh, so I must say that, um, I, I, I went to the sports science faculty after, you know, the high school degree, mm-hmm. uh, almost by default, I was very interested in overall in biology. I mean, human biology was my main topic and physical education mm. um, and, and, and uh, languages overall, but you don't, you, don't, you don't have a career over, you know, English. But I went to high school and then uh, at the end of the high school, I went to the sports science faculty and it's in my second year, I had an internship. Uh, in a a sports medicine department. Uh, I I had the choice between internship in a middle school physical education class and internship in in a medical department, and I chose both. Mm -hmm. And so within the same semester, I had to do class to 13, 14 years old boys and girls, and the objective was just to put them into the pool. And I was like, okay, so that's the physical education teacher job. Mm-hmm. And then I had then this medical assessment and, 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 you know, physical tests. And I said, okay, that's the place I want to work now. And um, it, it, it was, I only started to work really hard, uh, but really to dive into it in the second year of my bachelor degree. So it means I always tell my students, just wait for the fire to, to you know, ignite and, and start off. Uh, don't try to push yourself, uh, just let things come to you. But when it comes to you, you will know it, mm. you know, it's, it's, and then you do it with passion and, 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 and that's, uh, but not much at high school. I, John, I was a very, I was a very, very, uh, let's say all around guy in high school I was, mm. you know, pretty good marks, but no, no big passion mm-hmm. except for, physical exercise myself except for competing in track and field competing in football mm-hmm. but during the class I was um, made everything to have good marks and that's it but not and it's fun because I had some other friends in high school they were you know superstars <laughs> they were pushed by their parents they were you know kicking everybody's ass and, uh, and then 10 years after uh, they didn't like that and they mm-hmm. didn't have that passion and 10 years after we discussed and they had a almost opposite trajectory. They said, "Okay, I, I was so fed up with everything uh, after high school that I went to something out of academics. I wanted to, you know, leave that behind." And so, it's it's very tricky for parents to try and not push too much kids. Uh, push them enough so they can discover what will push them. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this is very, now as a parent, uh, it's very difficult. Yeah, This
0: is the high school part of my, of my, my journey, let's say. Yeah. I want to segue back to that a little bit. Cause I think that's a really interesting piece to talk about a little bit uh, later talking about the, what you're doing with your kids and also sort of some of your inspiration around that as a, as a coach, etc. cetera. But um, I'm just, I wanted to, Catch on that thread you said about finding your inspiration. Do you remember, was there a moment or a time or or something that somebody did that actually... That light came on for you, and you were like, Oh, I really like this, or I know this is for me. Matrix Fitness is one of the largest commercial fitness brands in the world and one of the fastest growing in the industry. Their equipment and programs are used by athletes and coaches at all levels globally. COVID 19 has changed and will change so many things. During these uncertain times, Matrix's team of engineers have quickly put together its free home workout app and youth at home workout programs. With its launched just a couple of weeks ago they now have first responders pro athletes and average folks using the guide to help them with their daily movement this is a great example of how matrix strives to be the best fitness company in the world to serve people and communities is their goal you can download their free app and see additional resources at matrix total solutions and there's two clear
1: moments. Um, and it's funny because you cannot expect these moments to start things, but they did for me. Mm-hmm. One was uh, during my first year of at uh, the faculty, uh, I, I was one year in advance at school. So it means I was at the faculty, but I could not drive a car yet. So I had my father after work coming to pick me at the faculty, you know, trying to hide from the others and say, okay, look at this kid. <laughs> but, um, and um, every evening... I was the one to choose the radio in the car and I chose music, you know, pop music that time. And, and, and one evening, my father said, okay, now it's been, I don't know how many days, I choose the radio (laughs) and he put the, you know, the national broadcast radio there. And it was like a a, a radio show about something I was interested in. I don't know, politics or whatever. And wow, 30 minutes drive. Just listening to these guys, they were, you know, so knowledgeable, so clear. I love that. And I think mm-hmm. I, I almost never uh, put that music radio again. I was like, wow, that's, and there's some shows and you can listen to that. And so that popped my link to academics. And, uh, and the other pop was just a jog, a run I did with um, a guy from my, from my village. He was a very good marathoner. And I was pretty uh, a pretty good runner when I was fourteen fifteen and um, and so he took with, he took me with him for a run um, for a race, then to his club and he um, was kind of my let's say uh, sports mentor and so he had a watch and uh, he started to explain me the average speed, the average, you know, heart rate. Uh, uh, if you do this, you will have this average in competition. And so it started to connect me with uh, numbers. I thought running as something very boring. And this guy showed me that running was, in fact, something you can really dive deep into. You see mm-hmm. what I mean? So these mm-hmm. two, these are two points. I was, I think, 17, 17 just before turning 18. Uh, these, these two moments um just pushed me into that into that career
0: wow talk a little bit about you know how you how you find um a connection point with uh sprints and power uh, because when you read your sort of your history and your story a little bit you would think you'd be more interested in the aerobic anaerobic uh nature of 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 physiology call it and you found sort of a a place in power and speed and stuff where does that come from and how did you find that link? Well, uh, I'm very interested in,
1: in reading and knowing more about endurance and middle distance, but um, I don't focus on that in my research mm-hmm. much. And I think the turning point was when in, in the master's degree, I decided to study sprinting because at that moment I was a sprinter myself. So in, in, I went from middle distance, like 1500 meters, 800 meters to the 400 mm-hmm. Just because I didn't want to do the cross country competitions because it was mud, cold, snow. So I said to the coach, I don't want to do that. And he said, okay, the only, he said, okay, guy, the only alternative is the indoor competitions. But if you do that, you will have to go on the 100 meters. And I said, yes, okay, anything, <laughs> anything that's <but> no mud. <laughs> And it turned out that I was pretty uh, good at the 400 because I was pretty good at every glycolytic, uh, lactic event, Mm. but I was lacking speed. Mm. And so I started to train myself into that develop speed and develop power. Uh, And then it was exactly the moment where I had to do something for my master's internship and I said, okay, let's start with that and let's see if power is a determinant of sprinting and blah, blah, blah. So it's... It's very, very, my academic topic is very connected to my personal um, uh, history as an athlete, which is a big source of bias. Mm. I know, but it's also (laughs) a big source of knowledge. It's a big source of uh, making sense. Mm. Uh, Because, okay, it's a bias being there before, but it's also a way to, you know, to kind of know the story.
0: Mm -hmm. I was really intrigued by, you know, what you wrote to me sort of about your life and how you have found a way to be relatively single-minded about the work that you do, but also not letting it sort of um, overcome you and still being able to, to have a good relationship with your family. And, and you talked about mindset, you know, and, and the, having the right mindset around that where, is that something you learned? It's something you explored. It's something that's an innate to you. What, how, how, did, how did you find that sort of balance in yourself? I, I, I really don't know that uh, <clears throat>
1: it, is, it is not something I, I uh, force myself to develop, uh, but I think it's the only way my brain and my and everything connects together. Mm. So um, it's it's. Uh, you sent me a card one day. There was written, uh, "Do it with passion, or don't do it at all." Mm. Uh, this one is still on my on my desk, <laughs> and that's exactly it. If if you have passion for something. I shouldn't say that, but you can basically discuss with somebody about something and still somehow think about that other thing. You know, it's, it's a bit like you, when you're in love with someone, you just, you just have that person in mind day in, day out. So it's, I can say I'm in love with the, with the stuff. So um, um, sometimes um, it's very difficult to reconnect, mm. but I don't feel the need Uh, for disconnecting. I I think my kids, my wife, and and the family life is everybody's happy Mm -hmm. Um, and then nobody's in in your head, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, you can still enjoy things and share things with people and still sometimes have some, you know, uh, things in mind that that connect you to, people call that to your work. Um, Well, no, they connect that to the things you, you like to think about. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I, lo- I don't. I don't give an advice. I don't give that as an advice to to people and say you should think about that day in, day out. And no, no, no. It's just. I mean, uh, I'm very, very comfortable with that. This is the point. It's not. It's not a burden. It's not. It's just there.
0: Hmm. Well, one of the reasons why I'm really intrigued by sort of what you wrote to me is because, you know, that's become one of my sort of personal life passions is I find that uh, in the industry of human performance, we tend to tell our athletes what we think they should do and and that we prescribe a lot of time to recover, time to, uh, you know, not necessarily be loading. We have periods of loading and unloading and all this kind of stuff that we periodize and manipulate and manage, but then when we look at our own lives, we tend and not to do that, we just go and work, 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 work all the time. And it sounded like had, you had had you found a uh, a healthy dynamic, maybe, as you say, from maybe out of just an innate sort of uh, connection point. But I really liked what you said about, you know, i go out for a two-hour run. I don't feel like I wasted two hours. I actually allowed myself to work more positively for the three hours that follow instead of working less positively for six hours. Comment on that a little bit. I think that's really valuable. Yeah. um, Everything, everything is,
1: um, it's not an ability. It's, it's a fact. It's uh, I don't do things in silo. Like um, I can tell you, I can be teaching to students and thinking about something in my, in my personal life and I can be on my bicycle and really thinking hard about the paper I am now writing or reviewing. You see what I mean? Mm. So it mm-hmm. means, uh, but I know for sure that if I don't go cycling to stay on the desk and, and ab- ab- around that paper, I will be much less efficient. Mm. You see? So th- the big question is, uh, are you okay like this? Yes, mm. I am. So... Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's my best way to connect things mm-hmm. and never disconnecting. I, I, I hate the, for myself, the, okay, next five days, I'm going to do nothing related to the work. And I cannot do that. I cannot do that. I I will be, um, uh, I will not be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be okay. So, um, And my wife knows that. And so if we go on a crazy island for 10 days, I will be a much better partner if I have one or two hours a day where I can, you know, connect with this thing. So it's not an addiction because um, I'm not feeling bad about that. Mm -hmm. But yes, it's... And I advise that to my students as well. Um, It's not because you run uh, or you cycle or you lift that your brain... Has to be hundred percent connected to the bar or to the road in front of you, or you know. Mm. So and you, and we know that there's a big, big, big brain uh, body connection when you exercise. I, I can tell you the the biggest uh, things I, I wrote or the things I was very happy about. They always came after a run or during a run. Mm. I usually now take my you know my my uh, recorder on the phone. So I'm running and talking to my phone. Just for that ID to stay there, and and, and we'll figure out after. So that's yes, awesome. people should be able to to do um,
0: very different things at mm-hmm. the same time. I think that's it's, awesome. I, it's funny because before we started, I asked you what your date birth date was, and I'm going to read your paragraph now. But I it, it, coincidentally, your birth date is the same as my wife's birth date, and the funny thing about that, JB, is that my wife's kind of the same in the sense that she really needs to have sort of a she's not a big lover of running and stuff but when we go on vacation she always does trapeze and water skiing and she has to have her you know hour or two each day to do her thing where she just kind of disconnects but you know connects in some sense so it's kind of cool so you're october 30th baby you're a scorpio three Your purpose is to overcome your defiance of authority by dedicating your experience, knowledge, and leadership ability to a higher cause, knowing that through service to others, you will achieve the perfection and greatness that you desire. Human beings, by changing their inner attitudes of their minds, can change their outer aspects of their lives. George Bernard Shaw the scorpio 3's beliefs are what give them confidence they've tested the beliefs in the world and they know they work their attraction to difficult even insurmountable projects or people is a problem the life becomes a never-ending quest for an impossible goal if life chooses to reward all their efforts they might fit face another dilemma how to deal deal with receiving instead of conquering however if they are experienced defeat too early in life before having gained self-confidence they will doubt their ability to do great things it's important though that scorpio threes realize their need to accomplish things of a heroic nature and make themselves aware of the difficulties they create through this desire The Scorpio 3 is a loner, and intimacy is a problem. They love freedom and live by their own rules. Loyalty, truth, and justice are important. Authority is always an issue. Scorpio 3 should be his own boss. They use their ironic sense of humor to keep some people at bay and everyone laughing. A love of travel and foreign things is common, as well as a feeling that fate is closing in on their freedom. The Scorpio 3 is a born leader They can either be rebels or persons, who want to be recognized as important by society. What they need more than anything else is faith in themselves based not on impossible dreams, but on actual experience.
1: Yeah, fun. <laughs> quite, quite positive. Quite positive. <laughs> and so you
0: have the negatives, right? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's both sides of the coin in everyone. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I can see some threads uh, after listening to you uh, in there for sure. Um, I wanted to play off of the back of that a little bit with you know, in your professional, um, domain of practice, obviously you have, um, built a resume of, of knowledge. And when you sort of talk to coaches, where do you lie when it's volume versus intensity in some sense? So the idea that, um, you, you know, the old school method of sprint, um, had a lot of, sort of building, you know, endurance before and then working on sprinting. And then when you talk to guys like Dan Paff, et cetera, they talk more about being very, you know, power oriented all the time and sort of just always running the engine. And I'm kind of curious with your background and where you've come from, and then also looking at this idea of, you know, rest, recovery, not doing too much, et cetera, et cetera. Where do you, where does your, where have you come to in your sort of thread of belief system around that now? here again with another word from our sponsor Zenkai Sports, the new disruptor in the performance apparel world Zenkai uses a brand new technology that repels liquids keeping you cooler during intense activity as the sweat evaporates naturally off your skin this allows athletes to regulate body temperature easier and push themselves harder as we harness the power of our sweat sweat is our friend, keep it on you Zenkai Sports is also the only performance apparel company which is cotton based, all of their gear is over 65% cotton and some pieces over 95%. Cotton is biodegradable, feels great against our skin, and is much better for our environment than synthetic based apparel. Please go to zenkaisports.com for more information and for 20% off your entire order, just use the discount code LYM20. All I can say is my experience as a coach is not big, but I have
1: seen some some sprinters who really needed more endurance. And so more volume; otherwise, they would not be able to compete over an entire season. They would not be able to put the intensity over the number of sessions. And I've seen some some sprinters who did not, and who could focus on on, on high intensity with less recovery. So, and I think that's that's the message. That's that's um, it's not new, but it's it's very individual reliant. Mm-hmm. So you, you never. Can dictate a rule, you know that that famous rule. Uh, until you can do two minutes at the 800, you should not start the sprinting season or whatever. You know these these kind of legendary quotes are. But um, I think some some athletes really need more endurance, and so they should they should have that you know endurance intensity balance shifted a bit. Some others are totally okay, and they and they can push more on in the intensity. So um, and that's that's to me the science of coaching is. Uh, identifying the needs of every mm-hmm. single you coach and uh, you can never come with a recipe like the like the one i told you before until you, until your maximum aerobic speed is 20 you cannot start or whatever it's to me it doesn't make sense uh it's 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 a bit more difficult to be a coach because then you have to you know analyze everybody's needs and and but that's 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 what good coaches do no.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I really like your response because, um, you know, it's that thread of individualization that's really uh, imperative. And, you know, even when I saw some of the, you know, research and the work that you were doing around whether it was strength or velocity, that that was the issue. And and you sort of found have found a method of sort of looking at that. And I like that individual prescription process and belief system. Um, How does how do you like you said, and that makes coaching harder. I liked what you just said there. So how do you navigate that sensitivity to individuality without um, encumbering yourself so much that you can't be flexible or you know be able to do the kind of work that you want to do? Yeah. Matrix Fitness produces training equipment that focuses on improving the training experience for athletes and coaches alike. With equipment that focuses on building speed, power, and explosive performance in the most efficient manner, Matrix has partnered with some of the top sporting organizations worldwide. As a global brand with local support, the Matrix Performance team assists their customers with solutions, research, and training protocols so coaches can focus on what they do best, help athletes prepare for competition, and get better. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Matrix Fitness Canada for the latest updates around the success stories that document what makes Matrix unique as an equipment manufacturer.
1: So I don't coach people anymore right now. So I don't have this, this burden. But uh, the people I work with, there's, there's two different types of physical coaches or, or track coaches. It's the guys who generalize some of their approaches and the guys who don't. Uh, of course, the second type they cannot coach fifty people uh, of course, uh, but I think they have better results and they, and their 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 entire training scheme makes more sense. Mm-hmm. but I experienced that exact same thing in research because when you do a training protocol for you know for research, you face the exact same problem um, if if you give if you give a protocol that's standardized to people to have a group response then you have a group response. And if you don't dive into uh, who responded in what way, in your, say, 10, 20, 30 athletes, uh, you miss miss the the point totally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what really changed in, in our research in the last, let's say, 10 years, I would say, is that we started to dive into every single individual's response in the research And uh, when I review papers, when I I, um, comment on papers to my students, we always dive into that individual response. What happened at the the individual level? Because if you don't know that in a research, you just have a bar graph and a standard deviation. To me now, it's like the research is almost useless because... Mm. Because if, if the bar graph comes from two or three responders one way and you coach the seven other guys, what's the results for you? So um, it's very, very um, important now. And I think it's it's a parallel between coaching and research here. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, we are trying now to, to go a bit deeper into that.
0: Have there been any um, particular individuals or uh, moments in your... More recent career that have shaped the way you look at things, or the way you sort of uh, have driven towards your own research and your own uh, interest in what you do.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's been a turning point in the in the um, in the performance of this French sprinter Christophe Lemaitre, mm-hmm. because when he when he hits uh, sub ten seconds time, everybody looked at him as the first uh, white sprinter to clock but that was not much the white thing that, that struck me in the face. It was the fact that he did 992 seconds after only five years of sprint training. Five mm. years. Which, which, you know, take every nine nine guy five years before that. And they were super, you know. So that was the first point. And the second point is that he did that without any uh, gym session, any mm. bar rep, any press. He, he only did, you know, skippings and, and typical track strengthening. Mm. So, and then boom, you know, because this doesn't make sense. <laughs> because the model, I grew up with a model of sprinters that was, you know, uh, Leroy Burrell oriented, uh, Morris Green oriented. And I mean, you know, to be fast, you needed to be a bulky big guy and blah, blah, blah. And this guy comes, nine 9'9", Okay, pretty fast, no strength, nothing, no strength, sorry. No strength in the typical maximum strength level slash gym work slash what's your squat max, Mm -hmm. okay? So then as a researcher, I was like, okay, um, this guy is a freak of nature and the model is still the model, but this is not a scientific way to think, correct? Or let's figure out how this guy does, because it will for sure teach us something about the model. Mm. And then it's funny because some other guys came, uh, like André de Grasse, like, you know, some kind of not not skinny, but thin guys, mm-hmm. okay? You know, the French Paul Walter, uh Renault Lavillenie is, is is not a big guy. He's super mm-hmm. fast and he's 6 meters, he's, uh, 15, 16, and so on. So that guy triggered our research around the effectiveness of how you push onto the ground during the acceleration, and basically the equation was pretty simple. If you don't push hard onto the ground, um, the only way you can accelerate your body forward correctly is to have that force oriented very, very, you know, horizontally. And that's what the numbers uh, showed, basically, in in our studies, and we were lucky enough to directly experiment on that guy uh, and, and and to confirm that. So, yes, this athlete um, uh, was there. And, and one thing that we never published, but I saw in front of me, is that we asked this guy to sprint on a cycle ergometer, you know, that typical white bike. He did, he's 1 meter 93, so he's pretty tall, okay? And he went to 205 rotations per minute. So when you see a guy who, he never does sprint cycling, okay he does cycling in like you know mm-hmm. he jumped on the bike he went all out That was a, a, a you know a, not a big resistance because we wanted him to cycle fast and he clocks a number of rotations per minute that's world class so you're like okay that guy is super fast because he has long segments and these long segments rotate like you know like a track sprinter so <laughs> That was both, I think, definitely a genetic, you know, body there, ready to be fast and some kind of, let's say, technical or physical ability to orient the force. And
0: this basically was a tilting point in our Mm -hmm. research. Very cool. You mentioned, you know, that, that sensitivity of bias that you had before that you talked about a little bit. I just want, I'm curious how you um check yourself in essence in the work that you do to to challenge your own biases so you know as you move yeah. along in your growth yeah to me
1: you should be we should be very very skeptical when people say i tend to have no bias because <laughs> because uh we are humans we have biases so it's like a journalist. Uh, the journalist who says uh, I'm totally objective lies. <laughs> what they have to say is I control my subjectivity and I make sure that my subjectivity doesn't interfere with my job. Mm. So I tend to control my bias and I tend to have, you know, bias is like a wild dog and you, it's there. And uh, so you have to, you know, to control it and you have to make sure, um, uh, okay, Am I super biased? Yes, no. Should I be less, etc., etc.? But it's always there. People say you should not be a subject of your own studies because <laughs> you know the hypothesis and you know the blah, blah, blah. But I systematically, when, whenever I could, was a subject of, of preliminary data because, you know, sprinting is sprinting. You, you do something all out. You just, but it allowed me to better understand the, the athlete's reaction, the answers, the adaptations, to really know what was going on. Maybe mm-hmm. to adapt the protocol because sometimes it didn't make sense, et etc. Et so I would say the best way to, you, you cannot avoid bias. Mm-hmm. I think you're good professionally make that bias have almost no effect on what right. you do, you Very see? Cool. And I think that, trying to ignore uh, is not the best solution. You should embrace <laughs> bias. You should not, you know, just leave it at the door and ignore it. It's it's right. there anyway. So That's if a- you try to ignore it, it will strike
0: harder. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Acknowledge. The it, I see. Acknowledge and understand it for sure. Um I you mentioned earlier about, you know, how you sort of operate with your kids now and they're you know, as you became a dad, did you become cognizant of you know this need to in some ways allow them to grow up and be themselves but at the same time inspire them to to challenge themselves to be you know to be whatever it is they could be and how have you navigated that as a dad to a degree yeah so i i, I really try not to push my
1: kids into anything uh, this could be this could be thought as something lazy or something but I, I want them to push themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't want them to be pushed. So I, I see parents, you know, trying to have their kids doing this and that and this and that. And so most of the time, my kids basically do nothing very sexy or crazy, but they, they, right now we are, you know, in France, there's a complete lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, they basically live in a tree. We have a tree around my house. We are lucky enough to have trees in the property. They live in that tree, and so some parents would be like, "Oh, come on, they do nothing. Their development is no, 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 no. They live in that tree. We we school them. We teach them four hours a day. That's a big mental load. They live in that tree, and they they play together, and they. So I try not to push them. Mm. I try to. They have opportunities. We have balls. We have bicycles. There's there's everything i don't know if it's the best way to do I, I i don't like the parents challenge i mean this is this is so boring oh you didn't do that well we do that with the kids come on um, i don't know if it's the best way but i think they are happy with that so
0: that's awesome. um,
1: when you let them choose they find something always and if they, if they if they ask me for the fifth time in a row let's do that game i'm gonna do that game it's,
0: here again with another word from our sponsor Zenkai Sports the new disruptor in the performance apparel world Zenkai uses a brand new technology that repels liquids keeping you cooler during intense activity as the sweat evaporates naturally off your skin this allows athletes to regulate body temperature easier and push themselves harder as we harness the power of our sweat sweat is our friend keep it on you Zenkai Sports is also the only performance apparel company which is cotton based all of their gears Is over 65% cotton, and some pieces over 95%. Cotton is biodegradable, feels great against our skin, and is much better for our environment than synthetic-based apparel. Please go to zenkaisports.com for more information and for 20% off your entire order. Just use the discount code LYM20. It's interesting you mentioned the lockdown, and we're in the middle of this, uh, you know, sort of apocalyptic moment in human history, so to speak. How is this, what you're going through right now, change? Or, or manifested your thought process for what you want to do after the dust settles on this or how your career will be you know change or grow or, or have you even thought of that as, as you're in this space right now?
1: No uh, really not. I, I didn't um, anticipate like you know, we'll see. The only thing it's, it's been right now in France' it's, it's only been only <laughs> it's been two weeks now. well, 10 days. Mm-hmm. the only thing I told myself so far is teaching is a human contact activity. I, I mean, I'm doing some online courses. I'm, I'm an online professor for some stuff, but, you know, nothing replaces talking with the students and, you know, uh, exercising with the students. I, my university is asking me to do that online course, and you record that video, and you say, I don't do it. It's you know I'm just waiting for the day we can meet again with the students and uh, and talk again. It's uh, that that's the thing I realized. It's uh, mm. nothing replaces direct contact. Mm. Uh, even even you know even online meetings. It's uh, so that's the first thing I realized with that period is that, But I, I was not a big fan of of remote teaching and uh, online teaching. Mm. Uh, it's something French universities push towards but uh, and even I think in the end students don't like it Mm. much Uh, yeah so that's the first thing uh, but right now it's uh, we are in the full crisis peak so it's like we don't think uh, much more (laughs) than that yes
0: (laughs) Well I want to uh, sort of wrap this up with a question to you like um I've I've often asked uh, in my podcast and that is at some some point in many years from now you will perish from this world what how would you like to be remembered by the people that you've connected with over time Ooh uh, I don't know
1: I don't know I mean <laughs> I I would rather be remembered as a as a, as a cool father and uh, maybe a cool grandfather as academic and, and publications and uh, you know the the legacy is um, I would I would like to be remembered as a good mentor for young guys mm. uh, you know building their own schools of thought and so on but uh, now I don't see myself as something it's not the kind of um, uh, projection I have right now. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I should, <laughs> but, uh, no, no, no. We, 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 try to bring some, uh, innovative ideas and, and, generate some works. Uh, that's what I, I love the most. And we had a debate with my wife and, um, because we see many, many experts on TV trying to you know, explain everything. And uh, she said, well, uh, he's a scientist, you know, that's interesting. And I said, look, you know, scientists are not on TV shows. Scientists <laughs> are in their lab and they work. Um, if the guy is on TV every day. You know, for me, it stinks. It is not, you know, it's mm-hmm. not a... Uh, I always say, if you're the boss, you don't have a boss T-shirt every day. <laughs> you see what I mean? So, yes, I, 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 I'd rather be remembered as someone working in the lab every day and, and grabbing a coffee with people. That's why I tend to see to people. If uh, People invite me to chat with them. Uh, and I say, okay, if, if, if you can, let's spend the day in nice or let's say, let's spend the day at the faculty if you can um and that's the way i see things more mm. connections i like that a
0: lot yeah it's a beautiful way to finish thanks for taking the time jamie be good my pleasure yes keep in touch thanks for joining us today on leave your mark i hope we've left a mark on you today and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast Please follow us at Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at KingOPayne and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de Saint-Rome.